make your days a little bit brighter and the weight of the world a little bit lighter. Giving you a direct perspective through the lens of how I see the world. Get the inside scoop on some of the coolest locals I've met here in Santa Barbara, Barbara. So sit back, back, relax, check out Liz, get down to Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Pandora Music. With Pandora, you explore your vast love for music. Just drop the name of your favorite songs and let Pandora do the rest. I use it every day from waking up in the morning, going to school, or even hitting the gym. So what are you waiting for? Get your free 30-day subscription of Pandora Music today. Hey guys, I'm here with Uncle Bob and he is going to talk to us a little bit about his background and what he did within the entertainment industry because I am super interested in that. So let's get into our interview. <laughs> um, can you please say your name and spell it out for me? My name is Bob Poor, P-O-R-T. Mm-hmm. Bob B O B, spelled the same forwards and backwards. I know. Right? Pretty simple. Very simple. Doesn't get any. <laughs> I just wish I had more letters. Sometimes I got three letters in my first name, four letters in my last name. Well, your full name's Robert, though. Yes, it is Robert Charles. So you have more than three I names in your name. This is true. Um, so I wanted to know where were you born? Uh, I was born um, in Los Angeles, September 6, nineteen fifty-four. Wow, long, you're giving away ago. your age That's right. That's so right. soon in the interview. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> and um, I wanted to know, so when you were born in Los Angeles, how long did you live there for? Um, I lived in LA until, let me see, 19, 1983. Mm-hmm. Then we moved up to Carpinteria. And so when you were in Los Angeles, did you get into entertainment right there or did you go to school for entertainment or? Um, I started working at the public television station in Los Angeles. It's called KCET. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started working there when I was 19 years old. Um, I didn't really uh, pursue formal education in college. I, I think I went for not quite one semester yeah and was just really unfocused and somewhat lacking in discipline and um was not feeling like i wanted to spend a bunch of time in a classroom setting yeah so um i kind of knew that i had an interest in uh, media Mm -hmm. uh, television specifically and um got a part-time job at this public television station working in the mornings and then I got a part-time job at a second TV station in LA working in the afternoons so between these two TV stations I was working full-time at 19 
in TV. But and both jobs are kind of just foot in the door jobs. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, but you know, you get in there and you survey the landscape and you see kind of different roads one can take. And mm -hmm. and for me, it was the right approach. Yeah. Know? Not sort of the theory and academics of it, but being, you know, just being in that world. And so when you did work at these two TV stations, what did you do at the TV stations? Did you, like... Nothing glamorous, right? So okay. at, at, at the public TV station, uh, my entry-level foot-in-the-door job is working in the tape library, is mm -hmm. what they called it in those days. And so this is a place where you know any of the productions that were taking place at this studio and television station it's where all the videotape and in those days it was big old two inch wide videotape on these yeah. giant reels right? yeah and so um it was sort of almost like a kind of like a warehouse job in a sense because it wasn't literally a warehouse but it was keeping track of all this vast amount of, of material mm -hmm. right? but the upside to that was that I, it was a big working production environment. So when my work was done, I, you know, I could hang out as many hours as I want and, yeah. and go on shoots. Or if uh, there was a big theatrical, dramatic production that was taking place on one of the sound stages, I could, um, you know, go in there and observe that for hours on end. So That's really that was great because it was it, it exposed me to a lot of different you know, jobs in production mm -hmm. and, and then not only in production, but later in post-production. Right? Yeah. So you then see, all right, so all this stuff is shot and then what happens? And so what happens typically then is it goes into post-production editing, right? And, and that's so, where you learned at work, you learned how to edit. Right, right. And you just sort of, when you sort of just drop yourself off in the middle of a, of a, of a new world. Yeah. Um, to me, that still is the best way to learn something, you know, yeah. it's just to sort of like total immersion and as much as you can keep your eyes and ears open mm -hmm. um, a lot of good things can come your way okay and so did you know when you were in your teen years did you know that you wanted to be in the entertainment industry or was it just kind of something that fell into your lap no I kind of went out and made it happen really I mean I I, I don't I wouldn't say that it, I knew for sure it's what I what I wanted to do. It's funny, I, where I grew up in LA was literally around the corner from yet another television station. So as a little kid walking to school every morning, uh, I would walk right past this, you know, um, big television production facility. And, you know, you'd see the sound stages, you'd see the gate with the security guard yeah. and all this stuff. And it just had this sort of kind of mystique about us like gee you know wonder what's going on back there yeah and so you know it sort of I don't know it kind of triggered something in me like it seemed kind of special and kind of fun and something like not everybody got to do yeah and, and exactly. I think as I got older um and I grew up you know growing up in basically Hollywood, yeah, the Hollywood say, section say. of Los Angeles, yeah. you know, I grew up with a great appreciation for film and television, and, and uh, I was always attracted to the behind-the-scenes aspect of it. I never had any interest, aspirations to be on camera, yeah. any of that, but I, I always liked the production aspect of it. Okay, and so with the production aspect, did you ever get into, did you ever film things or were you just, did you interview, what kind of Well, early stuff? on, I think early on, um, 
I was never interested in sort of, you know, um, holding the camera, shooting things. I, I, I ran sound for here and there for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked sort of as a freelancer on some independent films and short documentaries. Mainly on those occasions, I was involved with sound, right? I was a mm-hmm. boom, boom operator. The guy with the long thing exactly. in the right, right with the fuzzy little, with the fuzzy thing. little thing on yeah. the right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, I kind of got exposed to that and, and really liked particularly the um, documentary uh, world because, you know, you're, you're exposed to real, real people, real situations, mm-hmm. um, and it's not scripted and and you just never know where it's going and you set out to do one thing but in the course of an interview you might find some whole different left turn and, yeah. and you go down that rabbit hole and you see where it takes you and so um, early on I, I sort of realized that I liked that um, um, part of the entertainment industry and okay. and this was obviously decades and decades before you know anyone ever came up with the phrase reality television yeah right so um, essentially you know um, documentary work is sort of where I um, pointed myself you're most passionate about yeah I just I, I like being able to um, sit down opposite someone mm-hmm. and get to know them a little bit, get to know their story. Yeah. And so I was attracted very early on. There were some real giants in the field of, of, um, of television, but also in journalism. Um, there were some really great journalists who I read a lot of their work, a guy named Charles Kuralt, another guy named Studs Turkle. These were people who spent their lives interviewing other people about their lives Mm -hmm. and so um, I just always thought that was a really important um, uh, role out there you know is to be able to um, let people have the opportunity to share their lives and their work and Mm -hmm. the things that are important to them yeah and so it was you know sort of that's that's what I started off thinking I was going to wind up doing but along the way, I kind of got sidetracked and wound up working, you know, in um, the field of entertainment or celebrity journalism. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask my next question. So yeah. that's so you got sidetracked and started doing interviews. Yeah, well, it, it was a little bit of a secure, circuitous route, you know, sort of a a long way around because I didn't initially start out doing interviews, you know, and you start out with a job. And so I worked when I was in my mid late twenties, I started working on this brand new at the time TV show called entertainment tonight. Mm -hmm. And it was the kind of thing that, you know, originally when this thing started, there were, there was no, there was nothing of this type, right? There was no, e-channel there was no 24-hour entertainment news network there was no tmz there was nothing like that yeah as a matter of fact when they originally pitched the idea of entertainment tonight they had a lot of time getting any big studios or any big money behind it because nobody believed that there would that there was enough celebrity news to do a half hour show five nights a week 
True. Right? And look where we are today. I know right? everything and, is around celebrities. Yeah. So everything. the whole the whole culture changed over all these years. But, yeah. But Entertainment Tonight actually, you know, is in a very real way was responsible for, for all, all of that. It was the very reality TV. All of that stuff. I mean, yeah. there was never anything. You know, there was nothing like it at its time, and it sort of was the kind of, you know, gold standard. It was the first of its kind, and it launched this whole genre. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, anyway, when I started out there, again, it was it was just foot, foot in the door kind of job, you know. Um, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that I, uh, when I was 19 starting at KCET, I worked in the tape library. Well, guess what? So, you know, uh, when I was 27, foot in the door job at Entertainment Tonight, same deal, mm -hmm. tape library. Right? Yeah. Um, um, and so you kind of, in, in that industry, there's a lot of competition, a lot of people want to work at places. And so despite having felt that, man, I, you know, I, I don't want to go backwards. I want to, I've done this already. Yeah. You just, you know, you go, you get into a place realizing that you got to pay your dues. You may have to start all over again, but it's all about, um, uh, showing that you've got the drive, that you're a serious person, and you're hungry, mm -hmm. and you'll do whatever you need to do to get to where you want to go. So, exactly. so within you know within a year or so, I, you know, I kind of graduated out of that role. I went to work on what you know in a, in a newsroom, even a celebrity newsroom. It's called the news desk. Yeah, you know, and that's. So I spent about a year on the news desk, um, getting pitched all kinds of different story ideas and doing research on these things, booking shoots, and scheduling crews, doing all of that. And then after um, uh, six months to a year on the news desk, then I sort of you know got bumped up and into the ranks of uh, what they call you know a field producer. So that's in that industry that's where you'd go out with the camera crew and conduct the interviews yourself mm -hmm. or occasionally um, you'd go out with the with the talent right with the the hosts the anchors of the show or the reporters and mm -hmm. they conduct the interview but uh, you know i'd be in charge of, of, of the whole shoot you know i'd determine what the line of questioning is going to be mm -hmm. I'd, uh, I'd, set the cameras with the crew you know you're like the field general out there okay. and then all that raw material comes back to me and it would be my job to take that raw material and distill it down turn it into you know a package that then uh, i'd go in with an editor we'd cut it all together I'd, yeah. I'd write the script and and you know that's what winds up getting on the air okay that's interesting so did you ever um interview any famous people uh, it's a very long, 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 long <laughs> list. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, look, I, I did this for almost 30 years. Yeah. Right? From the, you know, early 1980s until 2010. Mm -hmm. right? So, that's a, you know, you can do the math, but it's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, so I interviewed lots and lots of people yeah you know if you want me to rattle off a bunch of names i could i could do that but <laughs> no it's okay i just wanted to know because i'm really intrigued by all of that kind of stuff yeah i mean everyone yeah. from everyone from from you know movie stars actors 
to the you know Michael Jordans of the world, sports figures, heads of state. I even once did a brief interview with the former you know president of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev. Wow! Right? Yeah. So I mean, it was that <laughs> was an unusual you know situation, but there was yeah. So every day you'd come into work and you never knew what was going to be in front of you and who you were going to go at. Was that like really nerve wracking when you had to it was more It was more exciting than anything else. It was yeah. because it was kind of fresh every day. It wasn't coming in. I mean, in some ways you're doing the same thing every day. Yeah. But, you know, you're talking to somebody new every day. The thing in that world is that most of the time, 90% of the time you're talking to someone, they are, they're, in a way, they're trying to promote something, right? They're trying yeah. to sell something. Yeah. Shows like that, Entertainment Tonight, Access Hollywood, mm -hmm. TNT, all those shows are about one thing, promotion, mm -hmm. right? Someone's got a movie that they're, you know, trying to uh, build some excitement for. Someone's got a new TV show. Someone's dropping a new album. Yeah. Whatever it is, right? I mean, yeah. That they're, that's the reason these shows exist. That's the reason late night talk shows exist. That's the reason much of that industry exists. Yeah. Is to promote product. And so, are you, because I know you don't work at Entertainment Tonight anymore, but do you, I know you have a project that you're doing right now where you travel a lot and interview different people. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so what I do now is, is like 180 degrees opposite okay. uh, in content from what I did at Entertainment Tonight. Yeah. Entertainment Tonight was nothing but like A-list stars, red carpet premieres, all the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, all, that the, business. all the glitz and glam. All the glitz and glam, all yeah. that business. The show that I work for now, it's a little show um, called Small Town Big Deal. Mm -hmm. And it's a complete opposite. This is, we go all over the country, we go to a little small town America, um, and we go there to interview farmers, to interview saddle makers, to interview popcorn shop owners, yeah. whatever, who, whatever, whenever we can find a good little story um, that speaks to somebody making a difference in their little community, maybe um, uh, they've created something that has put their little town on the map. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we go out and we find these little stories. And these people have not, they've 99.9% .9 of them have never sat down, been interviewed before. They know, you know, it's such a huge thing for them that somebody thinks what they're doing is worthwhile, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and they're usually just thrilled to pieces. They're not doing this. They're not trying to promote anything. They're not trying to sell anything. They're yeah. just they're just overjoyed and flabbergasted that somebody took notice in, in, in what they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah, so I've, there's been a fair amount of travel involved. Um, a lot of times these are quirky people um, who um, uh, have a great little story to tell, you know? And, and that's, so the common thread between Entertainment Tonight and Small Town Big Deal is that sort of the skill set that yeah, I have. Yeah, the interviewing. It's the same the, thing, Yeah. Right? So sitting down with Tom Hanks is no different than sitting down with Joe Blow in, in um, uh, Metairie, Louisiana. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's all about sitting down, looking someone in the eye, 
asking them a couple questions and listening to what they have to say. Exactly. And what made you want to do this? This little, this small town, big deal. What um, made you want to? I, I wanted jump to. Into I, that? I, I um, was at a point where um, I was. I had left Entertainment Tonight. Uh, Back in 2010, mm -hmm. my wife got very ill, and I, and I needed to uh, take care of her and be around her, and, mm -hmm. and it was, uh, you know, the right decision to make. Uh, fortunately, uh, two three years later, she um, recovered uh, to a pretty great degree. Knock wood. Yeah, that's wood. Um, and <laughs> and um, um, she was. Uh, she gave me her blessing to go out and, and go back to work a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that really attracted me to this little show was, number one, the travel, being yeah. able... Uh, I'm not on the road a lot. I, I go out maybe a, a week, 10 days a month mm -hmm. between, you know, like April and November. Wait, did someone come to you and ask you to be part of the show or was it your idea? No, I, I it, it was my idea. I... Uh, an old colleague of mine okay. uh, from Entertainment Tonight who used to work on that show as a, um, uh, an, an anchor and, mm -hmm. and reporter. She had made her way onto this little small town show and I'd heard she was doing it and watched a couple of episodes of it and I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I just thought it, it was... Uh, um, it was something that would be a good fit for me because at the end of the day, what all of this is, is storytelling. Mm -hmm. right? And so I, you know, I contacted her and I said, Hey, look, if, uh, you guys ever have a need for, for, uh, uh, someone to go out in the field and, and do some of this, call me. And, uh, within a month or two, she gave me a call and said, Hey, you want to write some of these for us? I said, sure. Send me, you know, send me some raw material and, so I started out writing some of these stories for them, and then and then ultimately uh, started going out and shooting and finding stories. That's really interesting because now that you now that you've said that, they told you to kind of write a script. I don't. I maybe can maybe help me understand this a little bit more. If you inter if you interviewing a person, how can you write a? You can't really write a script with an interview or. You, yeah, so have... the way it works in um, any kind of, um, you know, whether it's television news or documentary or um, you know, celebrity entertainment, the way any of this stuff works, you've got a loose idea of what the story you want to tell is, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you go out and you do an interview with someone, you, you want to make sure you cover... Uh, the bases, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you go out and you do the interview, and sometimes, as I said a little while ago, you, the interview takes a left turn, and you discover this whole other great angle that maybe you weren't expecting. But whatever, you wind up with a, you know, uh, usually a couple hours of raw material. Mm -hmm. Then you take that raw material, and it's from that raw material that you then create a script. Okay. Right? So it's a matter of, it, it's really sort of like connecting the dots, right? Yeah. You find your beginning. You find your end, yeah. and then you navigate from uh, the beginning to the okay. end. And what the script does, it's pulling all the sound bites that mm -hmm. serve as, you know, when I talk about connecting the dots, you know, you're you're laying out all the different sound bites in, in a way that structurally seems sound and in a way that you hope the viewer or listener uh, 
that it will hold their attention. And yeah. You create a narrative, and then you write voiceover. You write、okay. the narration between these things, and the narration serves to bridge these different sound bites. And, and and ultimately, at the end of the day, you you marry sound and picture,、mm-hmm. and, and you have a story, and it's all said and done. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, well, you have to, you know, it it is it is a lot of work, but、um, and it's gone, you know, once it goes on the air. Or, I mean, look, you 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 do the same work here, except、yeah. for a podcast. But、yeah. the work is the same. You sit down and you do an interview with someone, and I imagine there's some sort of editing,、yeah. a little bit here and there that takes place.、Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then, you know, you you take that digital file for your podcast and you put it out there in the world. And what happens after that? It's who knows. Exactly.、Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's real. That's really interesting because I I never knew that you you um you did this whole like the sound bites and the I never really knew that. I kind of thought that people you it's not not on a whim that、um, you kind of just take things and put them together. Well, you like, know, sometimes sometimes <laughs>、uh, sometimes、uh, a lot of times. If you're asking the questions the right way,、mm-hmm. um, and if you're paying attention,、uh, a story can tell itself. Yeah, yeah. And so that, you know, kind of that cuts down on on how much heavy lifting is involved in tying all those things together. Yeah.、Right? But you know, for me, one of the most enjoyable aspects of my work is is the writing because I like to be able to kind of inject my Point of view、mm-hmm. um, into whatever story it is.、Uh, you know, it's sort of a collaborative effort between the subject and the interviewer. Yeah. And when's your next trip? My next trip is going to be mid December. I've got a couple of sort of holiday, Christmassy kind of shoots coming up.、Mm-hmm. One out in Durango, Colorado.、Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're Doing a story. There's a few years ago. There was a little animated movie called The Polar Express, and it was yeah, heard ch- of yes, right. And that was based on a, a children's book. Yeah. So there's a there's a train, a real a real world train up in Durango, Colorado, and so during the Christmas season, they turn this train into the Polar Express, and it's sort of like a theater on the rails. You know, yeah.、Uh, people they get about three four hundred passengers. Three shows a night,、oh, wow. riding riding this train for about an hour, hour and a half through the Rocky Mountains, yeah, and the snow, and everybody comes and gets on the train in their pajamas. That's so fun. And and you know it's sort of acted out by this cast of performers,、um, and they bring this book or they bring this movie to life on board the train. And and that's what you're going to go film. Yeah, so we're going to go shoot that in um, um, early December. Uh, and then、uh, we're doing another shoot up in、um, Northern California,、um, a thing called Bethlehem AD,、What's、which、it? which which is think of a giant nativity scene, right,、yeah. for the holidays. Except it's on two or three acres, and they've created what、um, uh, the town of Bethlehem. Was like、um, uh, hmm. um, you know in Jesus's,、uh, Jesus' time. So they've got except they've got 
a cast of about a hundred or two, everybody dressed up in period garb. They've got camels, donkeys, uh, all the animals, all this kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a small town that for about 30 years has been doing this giant um, recreation of uh, Bethlehem. And that's all kind of um, new to me, not being um, of the Christian persuasion. Yeah, right? so, <laughs> yeah something uh, different. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of fun. And so all the stories that you do, um, do you guys research about the people that you interview first and then go out there and interview them? Or do you just pick a state and be like, okay, we're going to go and interview this farmer that lives yeah, over here? Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of both. You know, I, uh, all of the three or four of us that do what I do, we, um, we've gotten to be pretty good at, at finding and developing these stories. So okay. it's a lot, of, um, a lot of searching out. Um, it's a lot of uh, research, and then you follow that up. You, con you contact uh, individuals. Um, you kind of do pre-interviews mm -hmm. on the phone. You get a sense, number one, is this person able to, you know, um, be comfortable um, being interviewed? Are they yeah. able to tell their story effectively? Mm -hmm. um, and because there's a fair amount of... Uh, cost and time and effort involved yeah, in was... traipsing all over the country yeah so you like to make sure that um you know you kind of have it pulled together before you ever step on a plane to fly somewhere okay okay because that's something that obviously you would have to do some research and yeah but you know even not everybody is particularly these are as i said before these are people who are not professionals at sitting down and being interviewed right? yeah but that's Half the fun of it is um, is just um, getting people to be comfortable, and it's not that difficult to do. You know, it's just yeah. a matter of sitting down, as you and I are doing now, yeah. and <laughs> giving one another uh, the gift of our attention for yeah. a little bit, and and you know, it's. Um, you see what happens, and nine times out of ten, you wind up with a pretty good interview because people like to tell their stories. Everyone, As you can right? see, I'm just running at the mouth here, right? <laughs> well, you're interesting. That's why I wanted well, to come and come and interview that. you. <laughs> and um, I wanted to know, with your with living your life in America and everything, is there anything you would change? Wow. Yeah, we just well, focus me up here a little bit. What are we talking like, about? In in your life of working and growing up in LA and moving to Santa Barbara, is there anything that you feel you would have changed to make your life different or are you just happy with what you have and where you are at right now? Um, I'm one of these people that uh, always, uh, and it's kind of, you know, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a, a, a character flaw or something, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm like, I'm never satisfied. Right? Yeah. I'm always thinking that there's, you know, I could have done this better, or I should have done things that way. Yeah. But it's also served, in some respects, it served me well because mm -hmm. I keep trying, I keep at it. You know, yeah. I, when I sit down to write a script, I mean, I pay attention to every single word I, I use. Mm -hmm. you know? So um, it's all about striving to be better, right? Yeah. And so, are there things that I would have, you know, done differently? Yeah, you know, sure. There. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would say, you know, take chances, you know? Yeah. Go out and, you know, if you've got something that you th think you want to 
run after run after it now yeah you know? don't <laughs> don't don't be deterred you yeah know? go for it just you know make things happen because it's all about um uh, and it's you know just old cliches but it, it's everyone's going to fail at something but it's how how do you respond to, to that failure, to the failure right? you know are yeah. you going to let it get the best or are you going to pick yourself up and learn from it and, yeah and, and keep moving forward it's all about moving forward you know yeah I totally agree with you. It can be really, it can be really hard though sometimes. Well, know? yeah, I mean, because we're all, we're all, we all fear failure, right? Yeah. And that's everybody does. I mean, it's 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 drummed into us from the time we're crawling around, mm -hmm. you know, uh, as babies. You know, yeah. You don't want to. I'm sure that little baby, first time he's trying to, he or she's trying to take a step and falls, and that makes. An impression yeah you know? exactly but it's you know not to belabor the point it's just about getting up and keep and moving keep, forward keep moving forward perseverance there you go <laughs> right. and i wanted to i feel like we've been speaking for a good amount of time <laughs> so i wanted to leave well i wanted to know um what would you what kind of advice would you give to our generation today because our generation is very different to your generation and when you were growing up so what would you give us give me give me advice what would you give what advice would you give me hmm. well i'm gonna before i answer i want, I want to uh, i'm turning the tables on you for a quick moment okay and how, do, how do you perceive the differences between your generation and my generation what's so different I feel like um, with my generation we get a little bit we think that everything is not easy to grasp but um, everything is really kind of given to us uh, we, I like I just I don't know how to say this like we have things easier than your generation i feel like um with like i mean we have so many things like technology and all of these things just at the tip of our fingers things mm -hmm. are so easy to navigate and to so like for example with my podcasting and like this is something this is a project that i just started on my own i didn't need mm -hmm. any help it was easy for me to have a laptop hey let me go and interview a couple of people and you know it's just get going out there and um and doing it on my own um and i i feel like with your generation it there was always like a like maybe a process i don't know if i'm interpreting it wrong but i feel like you guys worked harder than we do now mm. and i mean that might just be a generalization and it might um I'm, like I might be saying it in the wrong way I'm not really trying to, I don't know if I'm getting it out the way that I want to get it out but I feel like we have it way easier than how you had it okay well you know as your as you as, as your life unfolds you know trust me you will come up against struggle mm -hmm. you know no one no one uh, avoids it completely, yeah right? yeah may take different shapes different forms but you know <laughs> your time will come you yeah know? yeah um and i mean don't get me wrong i've worked hard i work hard all the time you know to you know moving here from south africa and building a life on my own. like i've done all of that 
by myself but I'm saying that I have a lot I feel like I have things easy like for example I don't know if you back in the day could move across the world and be there for five years and not come back home it would it would be different like yeah I'm here I've been here for five years and technology makes it easier for me to feel like I am still connected I speak to my mom at least once every day FaceTime I see her mm-hmm. so it's it makes that my me living here and me um having all the opportunities that I have given to me easier because I still feel connected mm-hmm. back home but I'm still running after my dream so mm-hmm. I just feel like the bridge like it is a little bit easier than it would have been you know back in yeah well you're fortunate that yeah. you can get that kind of emotional support mm-hmm. you know at the at the touch of a couple buttons right? <laughs> I know oh that's great yeah All right, so um, in answer to your uh, question, what sort of advice uh, might I have yeah, for, for, for um, all you youngins out there? Um, well, I talked about, um, um, you know, persevering, uh, those things. But beyond that, because that's only sort of, you know, one aspect of, of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this is going to sound really sort of... Uh, um, you know, frou-frou, la-la-land kind of stuff. But but uh, be kind to uh, everyone. Yeah. Be kind, you know. Try to keep um, uh, empathy in your heart you mm-hmm. know, toward everyone you meet because you don't know what they're going through yeah. on any given day. Everyone gets, it's really easy to get all caught up in, you know, in, in your own little world and, mm-hmm. and we all do yeah but um, you know the world uh, you know, needs a lot more kindness yeah especially lately especially lately I was just about to say that we do need a lot more kindness and it's not just happening here it's all over the world yeah. in South Africa too there's so much going on that it's scary it's so scary yeah. alright kids well, thank you for doing my Dust. 
Nothing less or something more. Oh, oh, oh.